First of all, I would say that this is just the beginning of, of a Russian protest movement. From, from what I can see, uh, the, the, Putin has been stealing from the Russian people for 20 years. Alexei Navalny has been the leading voice challenging Putin's theft. And Putin has massively um, overplayed his hand in a way that he's now created, um, made Navalny into a Nelson Mandela-like character. Hi everyone, this is Dana Lewis and welcome to Backstory. This edition on Russia unrest. It started when the Kremlin decided to take out the main opposition leader Alexei Navalny with Novichok nerve agent in August. Navalny unexpectedly survived. Fast forward to late January, Navalny's return home. He's arrested at the airport in front of the world's media and sentenced on old he says fabricated fraud charges. And his parole, which conditions mandated his reporting to prison authorities routinely, but how do you do that if you're lying in a German hospital close to death from nerve agent poisoning? Anyway, Navalny's videos showing President Putin's corruption are deeply embarrassing. And one of them giving a tour of Putin's billion dollar palace near the Black Sea has ignited unrest. Millions of people have seen the video. Millions more watched Navalny's arrest, and they answered his call to go to the street January 23rd and express their anger. Tens of thousands of protesters across 11 time zones, 2,000 people arrested, brawls with police from Vladivostok in the Far East to big cities including Novosibirsk, Irkutsk, St. Petersburg, and Moscow, 60 cities in all. On this backstory, the dangerous work of being a journalist in Russia, and should there be more sanctions to pressure Putin to release Navalny, who prosecutors now want to jail for 13 years. The unrest has just started in Russia. All right, joining me now is Bill Browder, who is the CEO of Hermitage Capital Management, and Bill has a long, long history uh, in Russia. And in fact, uh, tragically, his lawyer at one point was jailed and died in a Russian prison. Bill, there are some scary parallels with what, what happened to Mr. Magnitsky and what's happening uh, now to Navalny. So Sergei Magnitsky was my lawyer. He uncovered a, a massive corruption scheme <clears throat> and he was taken to um, prison uh, in retaliation for uncovering it and slowly tortured and killed in that prison on November 16, 2009, 11 years ago. That prison is Matryoshka Tishina prison, which is trans translated into Sailor's Silence prison. And that's the same prison that Alexei Navalny is sitting in today, another anti-corruption activist um, and another thorn in the side of Vladimir Putin. Let's talk about what's happening in, in Russia right now. I mean, there are demonstrations across some 60 cities, unprecedented what we've seen today. Well, the, first of all, I would say that this is just the beginning of, of a Russian protest movement. From, from what I can see, uh, the, the, Putin has been stealing from the Russian people for 20 years. Alexei Navalny has been the leading voice challenging Putin's theft. And Putin has massively um, overplayed his hand in a way that he's now created, um, made Navalny into a Nelson Mandela-like character.
he provided he provided him an international platform by by um, poisoning him with uh, with uh, chemical weapons and and not succeeding in killing him. And so the entire Western world is now fully aware of of, of Alexei Navalny. And then Putin sealed his own fate by threatening Navalny with arrest if he returned to Russia, hoping that Navalny would stay out. But in fact, Navalny um, uh, has risen to the challenge. And by showing that he's neither afraid of poison or prison, uh, he's put Putin in a, in a terrible position because he's shown himself to be stronger than Putin could ever be. And he's, he's made himself a very attractive figure for, for young Russians all over the country. Navalny was poisoned with Novichok, a nerve agent, which no doubt was held by Russian authorities because you don't buy it just at any drugstore. I mean, this is an illegally produced um, uh, nerve agent, which under, by the way, Russia's a signature to the to the ban on, on chemical biological weapon production. But so they violated that. They, they no doubt, and you and I spoke before, um, this is not some rogue operation by the FSB, the, the Federal Security Service, because to poison somebody as high profile as Navalny within the country, surely it had Putin's consent. No, 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 no they wouldn't, they wouldn't, it's not like they said, hey, hey, boss, can we have permission to do this? This is Putin's directive. You, no, nobody touches Navalny, nor do they touch Boris Nemtsov, um, who was murdered in front of uh, another opposition figure who was murdered in front of the Kremlin. I mean, there have been so many people who have challenged Putin's legitimacy who have been killed. Um, it's, it, you know, it, the list goes on and on and on. Putin is, is a, um, a murderous, uh, a, a sort of, a, you know, kind of a serial killer, if you will. And um, he needs to be stopped. All right. I mean, a lot of people would doubt what you were saying a year ago. Um, but suddenly, I think th this is different now inside Russia because this has spread like wildfire on social media. There are tens of millions of views of the arrest of Navalny, the case of Navalny, the, j the jailing of Navalny, and then his corruption video, uh, which he put out, which basically accuses Putin of, of being uh, little more than you know a, a gangland um, mafia state uh, controller who has pocketed hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars and built this incredible palace near the Black Sea. It, the movie is incredible. Um, it's, I, I'm, I'm a um, expert on Putin's corruption. I've studied it for the last 15 years, but even as an expert, I learned a lot of new things in the movie and, and it really makes your blood boil to see, to see the, 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 the extent of the luxury and the lavishness that Putin um, has, has given to himself at the expense of the Russian people. You know, the average Russian can't even get medicine in a hospital. And Putin has a, um, you know, vineyards and, and underground parking garages and underground skating rinks and, and arbitoriums and just all sorts of crazy stuff at this, at this, um, this palace that's like, 60 times the, the land is 60 times the size of Monaco. It's just, it's just disgusting. Yeah. Don't forget the uh, pole dancing disco. And, and I might add that some of the protesters were carrying 
these brushes that you clean toilets with today because apparently, you know, the brushes in that mansion were purchased for something like $800 each. So they were carrying them as a symbol of corruption. So, so Bill, look, what is motivating the demonstrations? Is it, is it just Navalny or is it tough economic times with a pandemic, basically the suspension of democracy there, the extension of Putin's term until 2036, potentially. Is it, are there just a lot of things feeding into this now, creating a perfect storm? Well, ma- mainly, is, I mean, Putin has been ripping off the Russian people for, for the last 20 years. The main, the main thing that, that's, um, that's fueling this is, is their, the, the attempted assassination of Alexei Navalny, his arrest, and then Alexei finally um, uh, calling people to go out into the streets uh, specifically to free him. And, that, and th- enough is enough. Putin took a step too far in this case. Do you think this is going to end quickly or do you think this is the beginning because they have already called for more demonstrations next week? Uh, This is this is going to be like Belarus and it's going to it's going to more people when people see that see what what happened this week, more people will come out next week. And that's Putin's worst nightmare. Should he be releasing Navalny now to put the fire out or are we past that? There's no way he can do that. You cannot in Russia. It's like a prison yard. You can't show weakness. He, he, Putin is now uh, uh, a prisoner uh, to his own actions at this point. Why did they stupidly arrest him when he arrived back? They had no uh, choice. When they, went, when they threatened him with arrest to try to keep him away, um, they, that, that, that was the moment that, that they made. That was their big mistake, because by having him come back, they couldn't not arrest him. But by arresting him, they've set off. They, they've lit the fuse on this situation, which is spinning out of control for them. Will you just look down the road and tell me how you think that this, how this unfolds now, how the future goes now in Russia? Because a lot of people are, have, have always said, if there's a spark, uh, Russia can burn uh, in terms of people, you know, reaching their end of patience with Putin and the Kremlin. Do you think this is the spark now? You know, I don't know. And Alexei Navalny doesn't know and Vladimir Putin doesn't know. It's, it's anything could happen. How many, you know, what do the Russian people do? What does the international community do? What does Putin do? It's all very uncertain. It's, it's a totally dynamic situation. Um, uh, but, but what I can say is, is that um, this is a mess of Putin's own making. Last question, what should the international community do? Because we talked about sanctions before. It's very clear. For the last 10 years, um, I, I've been advocating for a law called the Magnitsky Act, named after my lawyer, Sergei Magnitsky, who was murdered in Russian prison. Magnitsky Act imposes visa sanctions and asset freezes on human rights violators. Alexei Navalny um, was one of the um, uh, many Russian uh, figures who supported the Magnitsky Act, along with Mikhail Hordakovsky and another uh, Russian opposition figure, Gary Kasparov, Boris Nemtsov, Vladimir Karamurza, all the major Russian opposition have realized this is the tool to be used. And uh, this is the tool now which should be used. 31 countries have the Magnitsky Act and it should be applied um, to the billionaire bankers and enablers of Vladimir Putin um, who are funding his regime and allowing him to do this terrible stuff. Bill Browder, thanks. Good to talk to you. Thank you. All right, joining me now from Moscow is Alicia Marahovskaya. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Dana. You're a journalist working for iStories Media. Yeah, that's correct. So what is iStories Media before we talk about what happened on the street? I mean, it seems that there's, a, there's now a lot of independent digital media that's out there. 
Uh, Asterisk Media, it's a kind of new media in Russia. It's a new project. Uh, it was founded by uh, really famous in Russia investigative reporters like uh, Roman Anin, Alesia Shmagun, uh, and Roman Shlinov. Uh, they are, uh, made some great investigations. There was part of team who was working on Panama Papers, uh, Paradise Papers, and uh, stories uh, like that. Sure. Uh, Panama was a very, uh, very hot topic on money laundering and secret accounts overseas. But so essentially, media in Russia has been controlled traditionally by the Kremlin. When you take a look at the mainstream television channels, the main newspapers, there has been very little room for um, opposition uh, or neutral media that's not controlled. How do you stay under the radar and uh, and report without being controlled. So it's our choice uh, to be uh, uh, small and independent media in Russia, uh, because, uh, as you said, we couldn't uh, be a professional journalism uh, on the other medias. So we just <laughs> choose this way. And uh, that's why we are in Internet. Uh, and uh, here Kremlin uh, could not control everything. Uh, so we have a YouTube channel, our sites, and uh, some space in social media, and we're just doing our job. Uh, and uh, sometimes uh, it's it's kind of dangerous, but uh, I think that every uh, investigative reporter in Russia uh, realized that uh, she or he has opportunity to be jailed, uh, beaten, or something like that. But uh, it's, you know, it's uh, kind, it's, it's part of our job in Russia. And uh, we are ready to uh, face some problem from uh, authorities. So it's like uh, our normal life. Are they trying to control digital media? Uh, you mean our media? Yeah. No. They're not trying to control it? They couldn't. How? How? Because they're How trying to control the internet now, because they understand that so many people are getting their news from the internet. They couldn't do it because uh, we used uh, social media and something like that. So if you want to control us, you need to control uh, Facebook, uh, Telegram, YouTube. Uh, so it's, uh, it's it's hard to do it. So they couldn't. They uh they made some laws, uh, for example, the last one is uh, against people who are uh, texting something in social media, for example, or uh, in sites uh, and uh, have uh, foreign financing. So you uh, became a foreign agent uh, and uh, you have to right. pay. But some you know how... We know how that law goes in Russia, because anybody that, that doesn't agree with the Kremlin will be accused of being a foreign agent, even if they're not. Yeah, yeah. For this purpose, uh, this law was made, I think. Tell me about these demonstrations. You were in the middle of these yesterday. Were you at uh, uh, Pushkin Ploshed? Were you at Pushkin Square? Yes. What happened there? And, what, and how did you come to be attacked by the police there? Uh, it was a peaceful form of protest. People just uh, stood and shouted slogans. 
and held posters in support of Alexei Navalny, who was jailed uh, illegally, uh, or against corruption. So, and uh, even before official start of action, police officer began to detain people uh, in the square. People just were staying, people just choose, oh, okay, I, I have to pick this one. They took them and uh, sometimes, uh, if any of the protesters refused to go along with the police, they when the officers took him by force, they could beat them. Uh, and sometimes uh, such random detentions force everyone else to fight back with the police. Uh, and uh, it was like local strikes. So I was working there uh, like a journalist and uh, I was filming uh, some scene of beating of people and uh, uh, I was from one side and I uh, didn't see how another group of police and protesters was back at me and uh, I think that the policeman just uh, probably didn't see that I was a journalist and hit me twice in the back and the neck with the uh, his uh, arm uh, and uh, I, I had a badge with a press card, but I think uh, he didn't see it. So he just decided that it was uh, just protesters and tried to uh, hit me. Were you hurt? Of course, it was hurt. Yeah, uh, when you just felt it, it's it's very it's very hard. But uh, now I'm okay. Tell me how unprecedented this is in Russia. I mean, this is not Belarus, where we've seen rolling demonstrations week by week by week since the election in the summer. It is not very often we see these huge crowds in Russia taking to the streets and just not in one city, but I mean, dozens and dozens of cities yesterday. It was unbelievable. Yeah, but uh, if you want to compare with Belarus, yeah, it's... Uh kind of different protests uh, because uh, in the Russian people was uh, fighting against the police so but uh, tomorrow uh, yesterday I was I, I was uh, uh, I was seeing how people fight back with police and uh, it was a kind of unusual scene because in Russia you know uh, it's it's very scary to fight with police because they have no rules they can beat you very very hard so and i saw uh, some scenes then people try fight back and it was really really scary but uh, i think it's uh, not enough to compare our russia with Belarus. so we more peaceful in uh, this form of protest well, not so peaceful in some of the scenes in St. Petersburg and other places, but what, what is happening? Why are people angry? Why are people really motivated? Because it takes a lot. I mean, I, I was based in Russia for over a decade. It takes a lot to get Russians to go to the street like they did. I think uh, people really, really tired uh, because of corruption, uh, because uh, Authority can make can make everything with every person in this country, and uh, you uh, have no you you can feel uh, that you're unsafe in this country, and you have to do something because uh, Alexei Navalny is very famous person not in only in Russia but in the world. But uh, by the way, he in jail now. He in jail right now, and. Uh, uh, he not safe, and I think people they realized that they are not safe too, and they have to do something with it. Will this grow? Yes. Why do you think? Uh, 
it's 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 really hard uh, to say real or not. I think it will continue, but I don't know uh, would it be more aggressive or, or not. So uh, right now we are waiting for uh, rejection. Uh, for we're waiting for a situation when people uh, will go to prison for yesterday's meetings. So uh, we will see the reaction. What do you think the Kremlin will do? Do you think they'll be tougher or do you think they'll release Navalny? I, I don't think that they'll release him because traditionally they, they just feel it's a challenge and they like to make challenges head on and they tend to be tougher rather than listening to people. Uh, I think they uh, will keep Navalny in prison. Uh, I think uh, he will... Uh... <clears throat> He'll stay in here so for a while. I don't know for, for how long he will uh, in the prison, but I think uh, he will uh, he will in prison. I think that's all. Lysium, you I know, don't a lot of people. That, uh, Kremlin will uh, uh, make some uh, good decision about him because he is in Russia right now. So it was his choice, uh, and I think he realized what uh, if, if he will come in Russia, he will prison. So you know, the Kremlin will come out this week and say that these were just a few hooligans and thugs, and that yeah. the majority of the population supports Putin. Yeah, that's their position uh, all the time. What's the reality? Uh, reality, you mean? Uh, what do people really think? Do you do you think is Putin now with this video of this corruption in Putin's palace, um, the jailing of Navalny, um, the referendum in the summer, which extends Putin's term to 2036, potentially, um, just you know, generally economic hardship, and people are not feeling very happy. What is the reality in terms of Putin's popularity? You know, uh, it's a really uh, strange situation, but in Russia, lots of Putin supporters, lots of. They can feel uh, very bad uh, about living in Russia. They really poor, but uh, they still support Putin. And if you ask uh, them how is your life is going, uh, they will... Uh, tell lots of uh, really, really sad story about his life. But if you will ask uh, them, what do you think about Putin? They uh, will say you that Putin is a great leader. Well, so, not everybody. Not everybody, of course. But uh, as I think the majority uh, will support Putin. Are so, people tired of Putin? They could be tired of Putin. You know, they could be tired uh, of corruption. They could be tired of poor life or something like that. But uh, they kind of scare change uh, authority in their own country. And uh, they try to keep his life in, uh, in, in common way, you know, just, okay, I'm living right now. I have some money. Uh, I have some little opportunity. Okay, I have no uh, rights, but uh, when uh, people in Russia uh, have rights, so uh, they choose uh, Putin because they called it stability, you know. Uh, and uh, that's that's the older generation, right? And I think the younger generation. You're part of a new generation. You obviously think different, and people on social media who went to the streets this weekend obviously are beginning to think differently. 
yeah, a lot of people think differently. But if you talk about majority, I think majority will uh, say what I said like, just now. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, lots of young people, teenagers, uh, so they disagree with this position at all. They don't want to be people who are uh, happy just about to have some uh, little money and uh, and that's all. They want to be a person with uh, uh, human rights. They want to choose uh, but we want to choose authority in their own country, so they don't want to live with corruption. Of course, they're different, and they they just uh, showed yesterday. Last question. I know you're writing stories. Yes. Um, how will your stories be different than the main channels controlled by the Kremlin about yesterday, about this weekend's demonstrations? What would I see in your journalism that I wouldn't see on the main Kremlin-controlled channel? How is it going to be different? Uh, because uh, it, it would be different, but uh, I was just filming what is going on, you know, uh, and uh, it's kind of truth. Uh, we will show this scene you know, of violence from the police. And uh, I think the uh, pro-government media, they will uh, talk about, uh, you know, provocation from uh, people who was in the square and uh, that uh, they just beat uh, police and uh, then police should react uh, on these sections. But it was a kind of, uh, you know, different. <laughs> but they will, uh, they will take this way. Alicia Marahovskaya from iStories. Great to talk to you. Stay safe, be careful. And uh, we hope to talk to you again. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. And that's our backstory on Russia and unrest. Please subscribe to our newsletter at Substack. I'm leading you through the news of the day every few days. And if you can please subscribe to this podcast and share it, I'm working hard on this and you can help me make it grow. I'm Dana Lewis. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you again soon.